The text for our sermon is taken from 1 Peter 2, and we'll look at the first three verses. So 1 Peter 2, verses 1 till 3. But before we read that, let us briefly pray together. Father in heaven, Father, what a joy it is to gather around and to listen to your word. So Father, I pray now that you will work with your spirit in me. And in each of us, as we hear your words, that indeed your spirit will give us understanding and insight. Amen. So let's read 1 Peter 2, verses 1 till 3. And Peter writes, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Amen. So as we come to chapter 2, it's helpful for us just to maybe have a brief overview of what we have looked a few weeks, maybe a month ago, in the first chapter of First Peter. So in this first chapter, Peter gave us the, the confidence that it is in Christ that we have been born again. And being born again means that we have a living hope. A living hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is through Him that we have eternal life. That we have salvation from our sins. But also because we have been born again. It comes with this request or this um, imperative for us. That we are called to be holy. We should be holy because God is holy. And also we should be loving our brothers and sisters. And that is where we end up in um, 1 Peter 1 verse 22. So having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one, one, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So Peter come and urges the readers and urges us to love one uh, another. Now as he ends up the first chapter, he said that we have been born again. But we have been born again. Of imperishable sheet, seed. It is through the living and abiding word of God that works in us. And it's through that word of God that we have been born again. It is God's eternal word that creates new eternal life. And Peter compares it with our mankind which is fragile. This human mankind is fragile. It is like grass. And all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower fails. So that is humankind. However, as God worked in us through his words, we have been born again of imperishable seed. And again, we have through that eternal life. Because the word of the Lord remains forever. And as we've seen, what Peter said, that we have been born again. We have been changed. So he writes that in the past tense. Your sins have been washed away. 
Paul also writes about that in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11. He says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So again, one says, we have been washed again, our sins have been washed away. But on the other hand, we still have to fight sin. So we're not under the power of sin, but we still need to fight the devil and Satan as um, he tempts us. So that is an still ongoing process. So our sanctification is like a journey. Salvation in God's word often is described as a journey or else a pilgrimage. Or even as a race. We read that in Hebrews 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we are in a race. And in that race, we should endure, and we should indeed lay aside every weight, every sin which clings so closely to us. So that is a progress. Our growth in holiness, as Peter calls us, the end of chapter 1, is a process as we grow in that holiness. We grow in maturity to the Lord. And here Peter comes now is what is needed for us? How do we get to grow? So hence the theme of today's sermon based on these verses from, Psalm, from chapter 2 is a healthy diet to grow in holiness. And we will too see two things. First of all, removing what is unhealthy. And secondly, we'll see growing through a proper and a pure diet. So first of all, we're going to see what is that we should remove what is unhealthy. So again, as Peter urges us to love our brothers and to be holy, he now comes with the corresponding imperative, where he says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. So we should put away all these things as they may hinder us in our growth in holiness. And before we go into looking at what we should put away, it may be helpful just to step back and note what Peter is not writing over here. Things that may hinder us in our growth. Peter is not writing about suffering that Christians may have. And he knows about it. He writes in his second letter about the suffering. So he is aware of suffering in Christians' life or persecution. He doesn't mention these things, that these will hinder us in our growth. It is not our circumstances that hinders us in our growth or that hinders the church to grow. Because we know that God uses all these for our good, as he says in Romans 8. And through these things he makes us more than conquerors, also in Romans 8. So it's not our, these things that happen to us that will harm us, but it's sin in our life that will harm us in our growth. And hence where Peter writes at the beginning, so put away all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Now again, some translations may write or write, having put off, again in the past tense. 
And in one way, that is true. We have put some of these things off and we have been washed away. But again, it is an ongoing process. So again, we still have indwelling sin that we need to mortify. So again, Peter talks here about having put away all malice and all deceit. And that put off is to remind us of taking off filthy clothes. And we see that in Zechariah 3. Just want to read a few verses from Zechariah 3, from 3 till 5. It says, Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. So again, that is the picture that we see here. We should take away all these filthy clothes. They do not belong to us anymore. We are in Christ. We have been born again. So those things that may still cling to us, we should take those things off. Take off our filthy garments. Now then Peter comes with specific things. Now this list is not a, um, a full list. There are other things as well. It's not um, a list of only these things. But these things are all encompassing are things that go opposite to what Peter urges his readers to do. Opposite to loving brothers and sisters. So he says, put away all malice. Now malice is all sorts of wickedness or a desire to be wicked. Now this has been mentioned in other places in scripture as well. Psalm 73, where it speaks about the wicked who may seem prosperous. But it talks about the wicked, they scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. We should not be like the wicked, we should lay off, put away all malice. Jesus also talks about this in Matthew 22. He said, but Jesus, aware of that, that is the Pharisees, malice said, why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Jesus warns us to put away all malice in our life, all wickedness towards others. And again, if we look at ourselves, how can we believers who know that they've been so much been given by Christ. They've been loved so much by our God. How can we have malice towards our brothers and sisters and towards others? So put away all malice. But also put away all deceit. Again, deceit is the opposite of purity, as we see in 1 20, 22. Love another earnestly from a pure heart. So we should put away or all deceit. We read or we sang Psalm 34. It says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking de- deceit. Believers should leave, live in the light as Christ is the light. So let your yes be yes and your no be no. So put off all deceit. Deceit in words, flattery, falsehood. But also we continue saying, put off all hypocrisy. That could be hypocrisy in faith. Being a hypocrite in your faith. Coming to church every day but not truly believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. All hypocrisy in our conversations. Pretend 
to have friendship with others or make promises that you cannot keep. And that is true for all of us. We all have that in us. You may be surprised to read that Peter suffered from that as well. Paul writes in um, Galatians 2, where he opposes Peter, saying, you are being hypocritical. We read there, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, that is Peter, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So how easy it is for hypocrisy to creep us, creep upon us and be in us. So again, let us put away all hypocrisy. But also all envies, being jealous of the wealth of others or their happiness or their good fortunes. Maybe even being resentment towards others who may be more blessed than you are. We read in Proverbs 23, let, your heart not, let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. And envy is being mentioned as one of the works of the flesh. So in us, let us think in our own hearts. Do we have envy towards others? So let us put off all envy. And finally, put off all slander or evil speaking. Speaking against another or defaming someone. Again, all these things are the opposite of humbling ourselves, regarding ourselves or regarding others in the body of Christ more important than ourselves. So we should humble ourselves. And all these things, all these sins, we should mortify these. We put these things to death. Take off our filthy clothes. Peter, Paul reminds us as we go with Romans 8 verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live. And is that encouragement that we have. That if we put all these deeds of flesh off. Put them aside that we will live. Now, Why do Peter maybe mention these specific um, sins. Or these things that we need to put off. Because all of these are the ugly opposites of love that Peter encourages readers to show. Love builds up. These things that Peter mentioned destroys. So we should work hard to put away all these things in our lives. So even as Christians, we are to be warned against these things. Indeed, we have been saved We have been washed by Christ's death on the cross. But still, we need to put away all these sins. Because if these things are still in us, they hinder us in our growth. Even the smallest amount of these sins that may still be in us, be in me, as we hear God's words, it will hinder us in hearing God's words and growing in our faith. As we hear God's word. So again we should put away all these filthy garments. They should have no, no longer any place in our lives. So as we think about these things I urge you to look into your own hearts. Are there any particular sins in your own heart. That hinders you from growing 
in your faith. That as God's word is being preached to you every Sunday, are there things in your life which hinder God's word to work powerfully in you? Because you have certain sins that you have in your heart, that you treasure in your heart. So I urge you, put away all these filthy garments. And as we do so, then Peter comes, how are we to grow? Then we look in verses 2 and 3. And then Peter says we are growing through having a proper and a pure diet. So Peter then directs us by the means how we can grow in our own personal holiness in a spiritual growth. So now come from the negative into the positive. What should we do? We should have a strong and a constant desire for the word of God. He said, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. So we should have a longing, a desire or a craving for God's word. So how should we long for it? We should long for as newborn babies. Newborn babies, they have new life, but they require food. They have a desire for milk. They have a frequent and a fervent desire for milk, especially when they are young. We have two lovely babies in our midst, Nene and Malcolm. And I'm sure their parents are all aware, and we may be aware of that being in their neighborhood, that if they are hungry, they are impatient. They want to have food. They become restless because they need their food. Any delay in the mom of the parents giving them their food creates a powerful reaction from even such a small person, which I have experienced recently, and even when our children were young. And many of you have maybe experienced that as well. It's a powerful reaction from young babies if they don't have their food. Now that is the way we should long for God's word. That if we don't get it, we should be restless. We should be coming and wanting God's word. And if that is not being preached from the gospel, from the pulpit over here, you should come and say, and we need God's word to be preached. You need to have a longing, a craving for God's word. So craving for what? As I mentioned that already, it's for God's words. Peter mentioned here, long for the pure spiritual milk. And again, he relates that because babies need milk. Of course, we don't need milk. We need God's words. Hence, it's referred to as the spiritual milk. Or even better, the the Greek is a little bit tricky. It is actually mentioned something like reasonable milk or metaphorical milk. Some translations translate it as milk of the the word. It is God's word that we need. That is the food that we need. The food that we should nourish our spiritual growth. Strengthen us in our faith. And that milk should be the pure milk. Not corrupt. No additives added to it. The word has been used over here. That pure is often used by merchants at that time. To declare that their ware is pure. It's not diluted with water. 
as some of the wine in that time has been diluted. So these are unadulterated products. And here Peter urges us to have a longing for the unadulterated word of God. The word as it is presented to us in scripture. So as we grow in our faith, we grow so in the truth of the apostolic word and in the word of the prophets. So the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is the full gospel as is grounded in the Old Testament and preached by the apostles. That is what you need to crave in season and out of season. And hence why ministers are urged Indeed, to preach God's words in season and out of season. Because we need to be fed. We need to be nourished by God's words. Now, milk is not a fringe benefit for an infant. It's not a something, okay, occasionally we give you a little bit of milk. It is an essential for the baby to grow. Without the milk, they are not going to grow. They need it. It's not a fringe benefit. Same for us. Coming to God's word and hearing God's word is not an optional thing for us to do. And say, okay, yeah, now it's probably good for me. No, it's a craving that we should have. Daily. Fervent. And we should be restless if we don't have it. Now the image here of a newborn baby, Peter uses to make us, in a way, realizing that we are completely dependent on God's word. A baby is utterly dependent on their mum or their parents for their food. Indeed, we are dependent on God and on God's word. So we come to him, we come to God to be fed. We come not with a critical attitude, but we come humbly, knowing that we need to be fed like newborn babies. So as a Christian, if you believe, if you're a believer... I ask, do you have a desire for God's word? Now in scripture there are other um, images used of milk and solid foods. For example in 1 Corinthians 3. But that's not the point here. The point here is that we need the food. We need the milk. Like a baby needs the milk. We as a believer need God's word. We cannot go without And then Peter gives us the result of us being fed by the pure spiritual milk. Is that by it you may grow up into salvation. So we grow in our faith. In our sanctification. So that we will be saved. So we grow in our our grace and knowledge of who God is. And the more we fed on God's word, the more we realize how gracious he is to us. So we grow in grace by the word of God. But also it helps us as we walk before him in holiness. It helps us to put off all these things Peter mentioned earlier. So what is your experience in life? Do you have that craving for God's word? So on a Sunday morning... Do you really have that desire to be here? Or do you come out of habits? Because that is what I should do. Or do you have a craving 
for God's word. And as you hear God's word as being preached to you, does it transform you inwardly? Do you become more Christ-like? It's healthy for us to do regular self-examination in that. To look in our own hearts, for me to look in my heart, for you to look in your own hearts, to see, are you growing in your faith? Are you becoming more and more like Christ? And is that through your desire to hear God's word for us? So I ask you, in prayer, maybe make a plan for yourself to have a greater saturation in His Word, to read His Word more on a daily basis. Now note here, when it talks about a diet, it's not a diet for slimming. Peter doesn't say, be careful, don't do too much. No, nothing of that. You can have as much as you like. And I urge you, be under God's ministry as much as you can. We can have as much as we want of this diet. Finally, Peter ends up with this promise. And I pray that that is how you feel inside you. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So here Peter is arguing from experience. If this is in you, that you have that desire for God's word. If you have tasted that the Lord is good, indeed you know that you have been born again. And again, if that is the case, then you want to put off all these things. That is your desire to act upon what Peter writes here. Because we have tasted that the Lord is good. So this is the affirmation that a believer has. Peter gives here, if you have tasted that the Lord is good, you have that desire. And you ought to put off all these things. You ought to desire God's word. And you ought to grow because you have tasted that the Lord is good. So if you've been born again, then come and sit under God's word. This, what Peter writes here, only makes sense if you are truly born again. A lack of a spiritual appetite often indicates a lack of a spiritual life. So use this in your own self-examination. Indeed, have you tasted that the Lord is good? So what we do on a Sunday for the world may seem foolish. We come here and we hear God's word. It may seem foolish to the word. But if you are truly born again, it will be your greatest delight to be here together and to hear God's word. Because we crave that. Now if you're here, and this is not ringing a bell with you, that you don't have that desire for God's words, then I urge you, come regularly. Come and sit under God's word, so that you may come to know that the Lord is good. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving Father in heaven, Father, we thank you that you come and help us in our weakness. Father, how much do we need to be nourished in our spiritual growth? And we thank you that you give us all that we need through your words. So, Father, help us to take this food in as much as we can. And we thank you that as we do so, we will grow in our grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.